yesterday as I was just praying and pre- pressing into the Lord, just listening to his voice, reading his word, just saying, God, Sunday's coming. What do you say after so much has been said? And um, y'all know what Santa Maria already means, right? Saint, right, Saint Mary. And I just began to think about what if in Santa Maria God gave birth to a Jesus movement that we've never seen that touches. I know that's not a novel idea and I wasn't trying to be clever, but I just was praying, listening to the Lord and I, just, I was impressed to look up Google and look at Santa Maria and, and duh, it's not like I couldn't put Santa and Maria together, but I just began to think, man, Lord, what if? What if Jesus, in and through his church and in the power of the Spirit, just lined all the roads and cities and streets and workplaces of this place, and, and this city began to turn around and flourish? Amen? I don't think it's wishful thinking. I really don't. Anybody else? Maybe one or two more. I know. Yes, yeah, Sissy. Come on. Amen. Challenge. Yes, it was and is. I need one more. Yeah. I have a new passion for the glory of God. In corporate settings. Because that's where it's going to happen. Yeah. God's going to break out and he's going to do amazing things. Amen. Come on. I like that. I like that. I was just joking. One or two more. This is just really good. It's important. Go ahead, Gene. Come on, Gene. Yeah. It's so significant that if you just study denominationalism, usually they have a hundred-year life cycle, and then they split, or something gets offshooted or birthed. Every denomination, every denomination. And so isn't God faithful that he wants to breathe on his church again? That's a beautiful thing. And he's doing it all over the world, certainly. Thank you for that testimony, Gene. And thank you for your heart for the church, brother. We love you here. We're honored for you to be a part of us. You hear me? Thank you, brother. Deb, I saw you raise your hand. Right. 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 That's good. My goodness. If you didn't hear what she said, part of the hard thing about being raised where we've been raised, there's a billion blessings to being Western, American, a billion blessings from the Lord, so do not misquote me, sir or ma'am. 
One of the detriments that have seeped in, though, is this issue of the rugged individualism of our own little personal private faith in Jesus. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Where, you know, we, we, in, which is my, my little thing and my little thing, but did you know, and I'm, not, I'm, not, a, I'm not, not even close to claiming to be a scholar, but almost the whole New Testament is written in the plural you. Which if you're from the South, like Pastor Corey, it's in the y'all tense. You understand what I'm saying? And so y'all, almost the whole New Testament, all, all of the letters, all the books are written in the context of a people who are becoming a kind of people together. Say that with me, together. So praise God about the power. They just, it, really, it really was it just like, oh my goodness, I've always believed we're supposed to pray, but what happens when we get together and pray? Yippee. Praise the Lord. Uh, last one. Anyone, just one more testimony, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Yeah, go ahead. Come on. In case you missed it, Jim just gave the church of Cornerstone a prophetic word, a word that was from the heart of God that he received and he just released to an entire church to be encouraged, to not quit, to be strengthened because the Lord will answer your prayer. That's exactly, no, that, that, that is exactly what he just did, biblically speaking. He just stood up and exhorted us to hold on to Jesus, to believe, because he's been the recipient of God's abundant provision, amen? Isn't that good? Because we talked about that at the conference. So praise the Lord, thank you. Yeah, what? He's got another one, hold on, here we go. <laughs> Awesome, man. Yes, he is patient. Someone raise their hand. Yeah. Awesome. Amen, John. That's good stuff. Praise the Lord. Well, praise God. And if you're all just sitting there going, gosh, winter testimony's over. I wasn't here. Don't worry. On our website, I'm going to leave the Thrive tab open for as long as it needs to be. All of the teachings are getting edited, so I will post every session and session notes on our website. 
so you can go listen to, and you'll be really, really blessed by them, I guarantee it, you know, from Tuesday night all the way, Wednesday all day, Thursday all day, and so you, don't worry, you're not going to be left out, um, we're going to post those hopefully within a week or so. I just want to say, I said it multiple times um, at the conference, multiple times, but I want to um, specifically thank all of those who went above and beyond financially, emotionally, spiritually, and just in volunteering to make it happen. Guys, it blessed. Some lady drove up from Goleta. I mean, people drove from San Luis. They drove an hour, whatever, radius. And so because of your sacrifice, God was able to impart and bless and strengthen and enliven hearts all across the, this region and map. And so if you served, can we just give a shout to those who blessed? Man. Wow, praise the Lord. So thank you, everybody. That, that's, uh, that's not enough of that. We'll be, we'll be unpacking it for the weeks, weeks ahead, certainly. But um, I think it would only be appropriate to, for me to share with you what I felt like the Lord impressed upon me. And then next week, we're going to finish our Heartbeat series. I'm going to do three of our values in one sermon, so look out. <laughs> and it's going to be a really good sermon. I mean, I got the notes right here. I just don't think I'm supposed to do it. So I'm not proving, I'm proving it to you. I had them embody, express, and engage, but I just want to share. I just feel like it would be remiss not to share what the Lord challenged me with, encouraged me with in the week. Number one, the importance of having people in your life who are a little bit further on the journey than you currently are. What that does to your soul, what that does to your mind, what that does in your life. If you grew up in the church, then maybe you've heard the phrase, everyone needs to have a Paul, which is like a father in your faith, someone who's over you. Everyone needs a Barnabas, which was Paul's companion, friend. Everyone needs an encourager. And then to have a healthy life so it doesn't just terminate on yourself, everyone needs a Timothy, someone that's, that they're pouring into. Are you tracking with me that threefold? A Paul, everyone needs a father. It can be your biological father. It can be a spiritual father. But we need people over us who are farther along the journey, that who are championing us, that are calling us forward, that are calling us to believe, that are cons consistently knowing that proper balance of challenge and encouragement. And you know what I mean by if you're just always being challenged and there's never a, hey, you're doing good, it gets discouraging real quick, amen? And, 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 and so lesson number one that I, that I was reminded of again this week is that Chad, it, I'm speaking to my, about myself in the third person, so I am incredibly blessed to have fathers in my faith that are further down the road than me that I have access to and what it produces in my heart is not envy that they're so great or that they know so much. It produces a longing and a hunger to reach my God-given potential in Christ. And if you don't have a father, someone in your life that is championing you, 
that is calling out greatness in your life, please do not leave the service without coming after the service and talking to me. I'm not saying I'm going to be Luke, I am your father. I'm not saying I'm gonna be your father. (laughs) But I'm saying there are many men in this place who have walked with Jesus. Lockett, you're one of them, brother. There are several men sprinkled in this room who if Pastor Chad told them, hey, free up some space on your hard drive because there's some sons or daughters, mothers, fathers, they're synonymous. They're a little bit unique, but you know what I mean. It's not just a men thing. Come and talk to me because we want to place you in a family. I believe that one of the, one of the, one of the things that's, that stagnates our walk with Jesus is if we don't have a father or if we don't have a mother, if we don't have someone in our life that is regularly championing us. Does anyone have that in your life? Just by a raise of hands. It's okay if not everyone raises it. Someone that champions you. Who wants it in their life? Someone that is strategically placed in your life. Yeah, well, praise God. Well, we're gonna talk after the service then. So what does it mean to be a father or mother? I know a little bit, not everything. But you wanna know if I could think of one thing Um, If I could talk a little bit about Pastor Dave Vasquez for all you old new lifers or current new lifers who go there Saturday and here Sunday and whatever, however you slice it. Pastor Dave Vasquez, you guys know who I'm talking about, maybe if you know about new life at Pismo. I said in Dave Vasquez's office, which it's actually Dr. Dave Vasquez, he's one of the brightest men I've ever met. And I said in his office and I began to lament to my friend, my colleague, he was my boss at the time, of the lack of fathers and sons that are coming together, just in general, that we're just all isolated and we're trying to do our own thing and we're trying to make it, but, and I just begin to challenge or, or encourage Dave, Dave, man, you could do it. You could be a spiritual father to somebody. And here's this guy who's doctorate, genius, best teacher, maybe one of the best teachers on the whole coast, began to weep and I hope I'm not betraying confidence. We can cut this part from the tape. Began to weep. A guy who on the outside undoubtedly has everything to offer young men and women in their faith to be, the, be a spiritual child. I don't know how. What do I have to offer? He's weeping. And he wasn't being fake humble. And he wasn't, he's definitely not just an emotional guy. He's not. He is a thinker, dude. (laughs) And he wept. And here's what I I told him. Because we don't know about how to do this well. How to father and mother. We just don't know how to do it. We don't know how to do it. We, we, We bought into a lie that we needed to have our picket fence. And when we got into our house, we shut the garage. And then we got to have our stuff and tidy and in order. And we got to have our finances and our retirement dialed. And we got to we just got to have our proper and our house has to be kept. And Dave, I just told him, Dave, sons and daughters are just looking for a, a person to, to whom they have access to. And he's, there's this PhD, this doctorate guy. What do I have to offer? Well, just start with opening up your life for some people to come in. And he, that doesn't mean, he, I'm not, this isn't Dave. He doesn't have, he's not shut off. Don't hear me wrong. But there's a lie that many of us, 
We think we're not arrived yet to be able to pour into someone that's under us, that's a little bit behind us in the journey, but I'm telling you, availability and access and then vulnerability are the triple-corded strand that will unleash a move of generations coming together. Availability, access, and vulnerability. And I told Dave, I said, dude, you know what, how you start? What if you just opened your home? So one of the things that, anyway, that's point number one of my 15-point sermon today. (laughs) The importance of having a father or mother. This is not, I'm serious. I was reminded this week, being with my spiritual fathers, what it does to my soul (laughs) to be with people who are over me and farther. It's like, when I'm with my father's, I feel like I can do anything. Imagine an entire generation where they feel like they can't do anything. That if we could see a move of God, a generation that could start walking with their heads held high, with confidence and courage that they could be their best God-given self in a generation that just pushes them down and that gives them a pigeonhole of what success looks like. What if, guys, at Cornerstone Church, we just saw a wave of God's glory and in the wake of it would be mothers and fathers raised up for young people in this place? Can I tell you what would happen? What would happen is we wouldn't have to keep reading the statistics about how much the church is shrinking in the West. We wouldn't have to keep hearing Lifeway research and Pew research and Barna Group and every other church counting industry about how the church in America and in every county, 88 whatever percent are plateaued or in decline. I'm telling you, that statistic would turn around if mothers and fathers would start opening their life and becoming available to sons and daughters, even as messy as they may be. I'm telling you, because kids can be a mess. Can I get an amen? amen? But the fruit on the other side is that the church doesn't die in a generation. It continues. Amen. I was reminded this, this week of the importance of having fathers in my faith. Number two, I was reminded of the beauty, (laughs) the beauty of the body of Christ. And that when, why almost every speaker made a point to talk about the power and presence of God or the glory or the manifested presence of God or because when the presence of God is present, it brings out the beauty in every one of part of God's family. And instead of competition or fear or you're weird or you believe like I don't believe, it doesn't mean we throw away our distinctives, but there is something that trumps our distinctives and it's called Man, we've got work to do, and it's only going to be accomplished with a unified church. I was reminded smack dab of the the honor it is 
<laughs> to be a part <laughs> of the church of the Central Coast. <laughs> Did you know that we need each other? Let me say that again. Did you know that we need each other? I sat with about 40 or 50 pastors two weeks ago. Whew, this was powerful. It just crushed us. We went and met at Mercy Church. It's down off Airport Drive, a great church. If you don't like here, that's a really good church. You'll love it. <laughs> I'm serious. What if we took that posture? What if... <laughs> I'm sorry, it's an emotional day. Get over it. It was so interesting that the pastor, Pastor Terry Page, stood up and we had a guy named Edwin Weaver come and share about the desperate need in Santa Maria. And, 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 I, and I can verify this by meeting with the city manager when I first took this job about what is the greatest need of this city. And the city's saying the same thing, the social services are saying the same thing, and the church is saying the same thing. So you'd think we would wake up and, you know, like, right? <laughs> we hear you, Lord. <laughs> and we sat there in this meeting of all the, many of the Santa Maria pastors in the region. And this guy stood up and he said, the problem, the number one thing that needs to be addressed in our whole entire city is the issue of mentoring. Again, mothering, fathering. Did you hear what I said? Mentoring. Just the, again, the, the young people whose parents work 12-hour days or who don't have a mother and father in their home. He said the greatest need is just mentoring in the city. And then he went on to say, he said, you know, if I had, and he doesn't have this, he said, if I had a $20 million budget, I couldn't hire my way out of the problem. And then he said this phrase. He said, the church is the only hope for the city. Oh, and all of us were just like, it was just like, oh my goodness. What would happen if we got over ourselves? And I was reminded this week of, it's not just the hundred or so that are gathered in this little old room, but it's the thousands that are gathered around this city, the beauty of the unity and glory of the body of Christ. I was reminded this week, point number three, let me just make sure I'm doing okay. Oh boy. I, it's okay. I was reminded point number three this week. The importance of each person giving themselves fully to what the Lord has called them to. Let me say that again. The importance of each person giving themselves fully to what they've been called to. I sat and I listened to Dr. Rob McCorkle. This is the best teaching I've ever heard. In, literally in my entire life, I've heard 30,000 sermons or 50. And he just taught on the gifts of the Spirit like I've never heard. I mean, I've heard little pieces, but 
When I saw a man who has given himself fully to his specific calling, you know what happened in the room when someone stands up and they've given themselves to what they've been called to? Everyone is strengthened and blessed. And that does not just mean if you're called to be a pastor or a preacher or a teacher, you gotta hear me. Number three, point number three, what I learned, the importance of everyone, say that with me, everyone giving themselves fully to what they've been called to because if you give yourself fully to it, you'll be a blessing no matter where you're taken in the city and region. There are, there's things being around master builders because they've given themselves fully to their craft that when I see the edges and when I see the countertops and I see the the design of the outdoor that I'm envious, I have to pray and repent, the outdoor, uh, uh, the pizza oven and the stonework. When I see, listen, listen, the importance of giving yourself fully to what God has called you to. Do you know why? Because more is at stake than just your paycheck. The glory of God is at stake. And I sat this week and I saw men who have just given themselves fully to their calling, and, and then I saw 100 plus people blessed because of it. And imagine if you and I in our workplaces, in our relationships, in our fill in the blank, if whatever it was, we wouldn't despise our lot in life because the reality is 1 Corinthians 12, I believe 18 or 28, it's one of those, or it's around there, Jesus himself has placed every part of the body exactly where he wanted it. So if you're a construction guy, don't despise your calling. Be the best in your industry. Love those around you. Be accessible and be an example of what it looks like to not cut corners. If you're a teacher or a nurse or whatever, if you do it with all your heart, you're not just going to be a blessing to yourself or your family. It will speak loudly to those around you. So number three, I just got to see what happens when when you give yourselves fully to what you've been called to. Imagine if we took our complaining or our comparisons, wishing we were like somebody else, and instead we just surrendered and said, Lord, I want to be who you've made me to be, what that would mean for an entire city. If a bunch of believers just started doing whatever they were doing as unto the Lord and for the glory of God, what would begin to ripple throughout this entire place? I got a couple of people over here who are excited about that. I'm almost done. I told you I had 14. I'm on number four. Number four. The importance of maximizing seasons in your life. Did you hear me? The importance of maximizing and asking the Lord, what are you doing right here and right now? What needs to change in me? What do I need to get rid of? What do I need to receive? How can I steward what you're doing right here and right now? I believe Cornerstone is getting ready to launch into our next season together. But what I realize is the importance of what we just experienced as a church body being foundational, the, the place that we launch from. And for those of you 
who are out of town or, this is not, or just didn't want to come or couldn't make it. It's all good. But I'm telling you, God is getting ready to birth some things in and through this church that is going to be stunning if we recognize the season and we jump in together. You put your right hand in. Number five, I don't have 14, so don't freak out. Number five, the importance of the word of God being taught and demonstrated. Did you hear me? The importance of the word of God being taught and demonstrated. Did you know the apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.20 that the kingdom of God is not just a matter of talk. Many of us just want to sit and talk about it, but it ain't just about what we can talk about or learn through here. It's about what wants to be the reality in here and flow through here. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. It's in the Bible. First Corinthians 4.20. And the argument, the Apostle Paul and the church in Corinth is that people are rising up and thinking they're somebody and they're powerful and whatever. And the Apostle Paul just says, listen, we're going to settle this right quick. The ones whose words come with power, they're the ones who have authority, not just the ones who know all the right answers who want to argue this point or that point. Are you tracking with me? The importance of teaching and demonstrating the word of God in our daily lives, in our relationships, in our church, and in our city. Amen? The importance of hearing and then doing. So yesterday, I was uh, getting ready to go on a run. I hadn't run for like 20 days, so I was like, gosh, this is going to stink. Don't tell anybody. And as I just started to take off to run, I saw my neighbors. I was like, they're going to cramp my style. I got to run, man. And I knew, I knew they were going out of town for, for quite a while because he works at CMC and they only get certain windows of vacation. And we've, we've been loving them and been doing life together for like two years. So we have some credibility relationship. And I was like, I know I need to go pray for them. So, you know, you're... Uh, <laughs> and did you know... Um, So I said, hey, family, Joe and Hyacinth and Jared and Jade, gather around. Come on, I want to bless you guys on your big trip. Come here. Did you know that being, uh, that uh, it, it, like, we don't have to get in like weird, grumpy, spun out mode when we want to minister to people? You know what I mean? Like, I'm about to give you a prayer. You know what I'm saying? Whereas <laughs> I am going to be a Christian in front of you right now. It was just like, hey, Guys, and I, and I know everyone's got their own personality. I'm not telling you to be like me. Be like you. But, I mean, who's going to resist that? Your friends. I, fr I didn't frame, hey, I want to lay a heavy prayer on you that you guys get your stuff together. And It was just, hey, gather around, family. They're packing up. It was so fun. Family, gather around. I want to bless you guys and send you off on your trip. 
And I tell you, they grabbed, and I mean, like grabbed. It was just, a, it was such a loving, and they wouldn't claim to be, you know, believers or, you know, sort of Catholic and just good people. And we've had t- talks over the two years. I tell you what, just blessed their marriage and, and just loved them and told them I was so pumped that they got to be together, that it would be a specific time for their family to just grow them closer, that the kids would have grace to do homework even though they're on vacation. They didn't like, they didn't receive that part of the prayer. I tell you what, it was the most natural. And when I left that, I was, uh, guess who was blessed and strengthened? I was like, man, I'm going to run a better pace right now. Come on. The importance of hearing and doing. We just got done with the prayer conference and a kingdom conference. (laughs) Here's your neighbors leaving who you already have a relationship with and they love. And you've had a chance to pray with them before and share share about Christ and stuff. Just go be natural. Go love them. Go bless them. It's awesome. And lastly, the power of culture to transform us. I learned, and I, I'm just reflecting on this week, the power of a corporate culture that has power to transform us in a way that is unique. And I guess another cuter way to say it would be that there are some things are more caught than they are taught. Let me say it again. I learned this week, some things are more caught than taught. Now that does not mean we don't believe in teaching. That was point number four the teaching and the doing. But the reason, this is a great segue and a close. I love when the Lord does that. I'm serious. Praise God. I'm so pumped right now. The reason we are going after becoming a praying church, as we heard all week, is because God can't resist when his people cry out in unity together And when they cry out, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 9, he shows up in their midst. And there are going to be things that someone can sit under teaching or preaching for 50 years and bear no resemblance to Christ. But if they get in an environment or a culture where the Lord is reigning and ruling in his glory, something can happen in a split second that they did not experience for 40 years. It's just, if you don't believe me, just read your, new, read your Bible. Like one encounter, the Apostle Paul, you don't think he knew the suffering servant passage of Isaiah 53 by memory? He was this, one of the smartest guys in Jerusalem. You don't think he understood about the grace and supplication that was going to be poured out on the house of David of Zechariah 12 or Zechariah 13? You don't think he knew about... Um, the branch that would be raised up at the stump of Israel, meaning Jesus. You don't think he knew about a virgin coming someday? He knew all of the scriptures by rote. But something happened when he encountered God firsthand that he couldn't learn through his earlobes. It came to his heart. 
And so the importance of being a church that cries out for God's glory and his presence and his power, because the result of that is people can come in here dull by sin, blinded in their minds because the enemy does not want us to see the glory of Christ, because when we see him, 1 John 3, 1 through 3, we're going to be like him. And so he wants to blind our eyes and, un- and he wants to stop our ears to the, to the majesty and the wonder of Jesus. But did you know that if we would catch the vision of being a church that says, Lord, at all costs, come in your glory. Lord, it's okay if you got to crucify our flesh, Lord. We don't want to live. We want Christ to live in us. And the fruit of that is that when people walk in here who've been blinded or dulled or deadened to the things of God, there are things that are more caught than they are taught. And we will see God begin to break out in people's lives that you'd be like, man, there's no way I saw that coming in you. There's no way I saw that coming in you. I know your sin. I know your struggles. I know your story. Man, I didn't see that coming. Well, guess who did see it coming? The one who says, I came to seek and save the lost. The one who said, you know what? There is no one too far gone from my grace and mercy. So whatever point that was, I saw the importance of a culture that produces an environment through which God can do anything. And what is so stunning, and you've heard this, and you, you know, you, you, you preach for so long, you know, or whatever your experience with church, maybe you don't have a lot of experience, but in the church, it's a very common thing that in one given service where God breaks out and moves and has his way, Someone will come and say, man, that part during the worship, man, God just spoke to me. Someone will come and say, man, when that person put their arm around me and prayed for me, Someone will come and say, man, uh, that part of the message really touched me. And you get what I'm saying. There's 15 different avenues through which people are touched. But the point is when God gets in the room, which is why it's so important to cry out and become that place where he can dwell, he knows full well the avenue and access points into people's hearts and minds that we could never plan or strategize. Did you hear? He knows, he knows how to get. Listen, the, the, the heart is deceitful above all things, Jeremiah 17, 9. But the Lord looks down from heaven, Psalm chapter 33, and he sees the hearts of all humanity. So do you think the one who can see us and knows us, the hairs on our head, the days and all of them written in a book, do you think he would kind of know how to break into a heart or a life that is closed off to him better than we would? Yes. The importance of becoming a culture where God is free to reign and rule so that that can happen with increasing measure. Who wants to see that in this place, man? I promise you, and we will go through, in our journey together, God willing, however long, 50 years, 100 years, 20 years, we're gonna go through a lot of sermon series, but I promise you what you do not need is just a, another sermon series in and of itself. I'm telling you, you don't. What you need is for God to so get a hold of your heart that your life becomes one long, continuous offering for his glory and for his purposes. That's what we need. And yes, that comes through preaching, it comes through prayer, it comes through so many different ways. But the importance, and the last thing as I just reflect on our week together, the importance and the power that a culture 
of God's power and presence has to bring transformation to the people who are exposed to it. What would you want to be known for? Come on, let me just hear one one liners. What would you want to be known for in our city? Love, hope, Jesus. What else? Come on. Christ likeness, support. What else? Forgiveness. What's that? Seed spreaders. I love that. Compassion, love. How about mercy? How about a culture of grace? How about the body of Christ? That there's power there to change. There's power there. How about acceptance? That we would accept people from any, any place they came from and love them and we're able to expose them to the power of the gospel and see him transform their lives instead of us transform their life. That'd be a good one to be known for. Revival. Amen. So my question is this morning as we prepare to take um, communion together is what does the Lord need to do in your life this morning? Does he need to bring forgiveness? Does he need to bring correction? Does he need to bring healing or hope? Does he need to bring forgiveness, whether for you personally or that forgiveness needs to be extended to somebody else? The most powerful thing is that when God shows up, he knows how to meet all of them, all of our needs. He is our answer. He is the one who knows how to put us together, fragmented by our own self, but also put us together in unity in his spirit, amen? So I wanna invite the ushers to come forward, and I want you to think about that, pray into that for the next three minutes as the ushers come forward, and then we serve each other this powerful reminder of the Lord's provision for our life. And you guys can go ahead and start passing out. That's wonderful. Lord, thank you so much for your broken body and your shed blood. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our provision. You are the one who makes us whole. You're the one that, Lord, nourishes us and feeds us. You're the one that transforms us from glory to glory by the power of your spirit. We love you, God. Speak and minister now to and through your body. In Jesus' name, amen.